Well, good morning, White Oak, and uh, so good to be here. Uh, welcome, and uh, glad that you were able to make it. Hi, students. How you doing? Caitlin wanted a shout-out, so she got one. Thanks for sitting down front. Um, we are in the Book of Romans, and uh, for some of you, maybe it feels like that we've been there for a while. We're, today, we're going to take a look at Chapter 8. We're about halfway through this series, but I've really enjoyed kind of slowing down and going through this book, and uh, I hope that you have too. I hope that you've been reading along with us and uh, studying at home and just kind of engaging in that. And uh, so in chapter 8, Paul's got a few different ideas that he hits on. And we can't dive in and talk deep about every one of those. But my hope today is I give you a little bit of an overview of what chapter 8 is all about. And we really want to kind of focus in then and pay attention to the end of what he's saying in chapter 8. And it's really about this idea of hope. And he's trying to, he's trying to give some hope. Paul spends a lot of time in Romans tearing us down. And, and he talks about himself in there. We talked about that last week in chapter 7, uh, just of kind of leveling the playing field and kind of reminding us of our sin, reminding us of our failure, reminding us of our need for Jesus. And so, so he's continuing to uh, just remind us of th- that we're, we really don't have it all together. But he also comes back and he reminds us of the hope that we have in Jesus. And so chapter 8 is a lot of that. It's a lot of reminder that, hey, look, you may seem like you're defeated. I may have been reminding you a lot of, about the mistakes that you make, but I want you to hear me. You're okay if you have Jesus. There is hope if you know Jesus. And so that's a lot of what's going on. And we need that reminder. I don't know if you've ever felt defeated. I don't know if you've ever felt overwhelmed before. I got to think that you have. I spent this last week uh, on vacation just at home. My kids were on fall break and so we took on a lot of projects at our house that we'd been wanting to do. We decided that we were going to remodel our bathroom and so in the midst of taking up and tearing out stuff and uh, you know simple project we're going to put new floors down in order to put new floors down, I have to remove the toilet, and, uh, and removing the toilet and to get the, everything, the floor down, I have got to remove the water line that, uh, that attached the toilet, and uh, long story short, in the midst of doing this, I broke the water line that goes to the toilet. And so there was a moment there where I'm pretty confident in my abilities, but there was a moment there where I was just like, ugh. I may be in over my head. Am I going to get all this put back together again? Is this all going to work out? And so I don't know if you have ever been in those moments of life where you're just kind of like at a loss. Where you're just, you know, you seem like that you you keep tearing into one thing and then that leads to another thing and you just can't seem to get ahead. And that was the moment. Now, first service, I forgot to tell everybody that, yes, everything went back together and uh, we have a, a functioning flushing toilet and we got new floor and the whole thing worked out. But there was a moment where if I could have just called time out and said, let's back up and let's not start this, <laughs> I probably would have done that. And so in chapter 8 of Romans, we kind of have Paul telling this kind of long narrative that is, we're defeated, we're failures, we need hope. The answer to that hope is Jesus, and because of that, we're 
we're more. And we're not defeated. And so he kind of goes through this. In chapter 7 last week, we, we were talking about this idea. Paul was in the midst of sharing a very vulnerable moment in time where he kind of walked through this idea that the things that he wants to do, he struggles to do. And the things that he hates to do, those are the things that he finds himself doing over and over again. And he was just talking about his spiritual walk. And he was being really honest and open about the fact that, you know what, I don't seem to have it all together. And so he begs this question, right? He he ends this kind of story about himself with this line. He says, man, what a wretched man I am. Who's going to help me? Where's my hope going to come from? And so in Romans chapter 7, verse 25, he gives us this answer. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Right? The Bible doesn't have chapters in its original form. So chapter 8 is really just an overflow of what we're reading in chapter 7. Paul begins chapter 8 in the same train of thought. He's continuing to lay out this detailed explanation of the good news that we find in Jesus. We're all a mess. We all fail. We all fall. We all need help. Who's going to help us? Jesus. So in Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 1, if you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to turn to Romans chapter 8. We're going to be in that chapter uh, all morning, and so you can read along with us, and you can follow along. You can also do it on an app or in a Bible that's in front of you. Uh, It'll be up on the screen as well. But in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, Paul continues this idea. He says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ, Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. And I want you to hear that today. There is no condemnation. Do you know what that means? It means that those who are in Jesus are not guilty. When we say the word gospel, that word literally means good news. Now the word gospel could mean any good news. It just means Literally, good news. So, so you get a raise at work, that's good news. You got a friend who's coming over to visit, good news. Good news in any shape or form. The word gospel means good news. But when we're talking about the book of Romans, and we're talking about Jesus, the good news that we're talking about is really summed up in this verse. Right? We all sin, we all fail, and because of that failure, we deserve death. We need an answer. The good news is this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that's, that's good news. That is what Paul is attempting to do. Remember, one of Paul's goals in writing the letter of Romans to the Roman Christians is to give a fully developed explanation of the gospel. Gospel means good news. And so he wants people to fully understand what Jesus does in their life and what he brings. And so one of the things that he does is that he brings about this idea that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. That means that, that even though we fail, means even though that we're not perfect, even though that we sometimes mess up, he says, you're not guilty. 
if you are in Jesus. And I'll tell you, that's good news. That's something that we need to be reminded of. And so there's three kind of sections in chapter 8 that Paul goes through. Section 1 is this, you're not condemned section. Right? Paul laying out his fully developed explanation of the good news. Section 2 in chapter 8, Paul lays out this simple idea. And that's one that he's kind of brought up before in chapter 6. I want you to remember back in chapter 6 when Paul said this. In Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, Paul says this. He says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? So in chapter 6, and then again in chapter 8, Paul lays out this other idea. He says, look, you're saved in Jesus. And because of that, you've died to your old way of life. You've died to sin. He says, basically, quit going back to your old way of life. Quit going back to this old. He says, I want you to experience this thing that's new. So in Romans chapter 8, verse 5, Paul says this. He says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Paul's got some advice for us here. He says, we all sin, we're all guilty, we all need Jesus. You have Jesus, you are in Christ, you are not guilty. And he says, so what I want you to do is I want you to leave those old things behind you. He says, I want you to walk away from them. He says, I know that you're not perfect and you're never going to be perfect, but what I want you to do is I want you to be striving, constantly striving towards what is in front of you and forgetting what is behind you, that old way of life. I want you to imagine with me for a moment that maybe you're a professional athlete. I don't know if when you were a kid or maybe even still today, if you've ever spent any time just imagining what it might be like to be a professional athlete in any kind of sport, okay? So if you were a professional athlete, and especially one that played on a team, like a football player, a basketball player, a baseball player, a soccer player, you're a part of a team. And, uh, and one of the things that happens is that if you're on a team, either through free agency or through trade, sometimes you, you change teams. Now, imagine you're a Bengal and, uh, man, you would just love to get off that team. And, uh, and you get traded, and you're a part of a new team. One of the first things that that new team's going to do when they introduce you to the media is they're going to hand you either a jersey or a hat of your new team to, to signify that you're a part of this new organization. And, man, if you're a Bengal, you're going to be happy for that day. You're going to be like, get me out of here. Now, if I see this guy out on the street later on, is he still going to be wearing his old Bengal stuff? No. He probably took all that stuff and donated it to Goodwill. He's moved on to something new. He's on a new team, a new organization, and so everything that he owns is going to be about that new team. This is the truth, church family. Some of us are in Jesus. Some of us have accepted Jesus. But we're still representing that old team. 
we're still living that old life. We're still clinging to that old way. And we have not fully moved forward to this new way of life. When I was a student minister, I served at the same church for 18 years. And in 18 years doing student ministry, no lie, I probably have 50 bright Christian student ministry t-shirts. It just became like my wardrobe. It's what I wore everywhere all the time. It was just easy. I didn't even have to think about it. I just grabbed one and put it on. Well, when I came here, I knew that that needed to change. Uh, just for me personally, like, you know, we're, we're a church. We're not, we're not in competition with one another per se. And so there probably wouldn't be anybody that really get too bent out of shape. But, but I wanted people to know that I was a part of this new thing, that I was here, that I belonged here, that this was home now. And so I asked somebody, I contacted somebody and had them make me up some White Oak Christian Church t-shirts that I could just start wearing because I was a part of something new. And it was time for me to take the old and put it behind me and move on to what was next. Church, so many of us have moved to something new in our heart. We've accepted Jesus and we're a part of that. But we haven't fully let go of our past. We haven't put on new clothes. And it's holding us back. And it's what Paul's talking about in this. And he just... He he continues to say, look, you have died to sin. Why do you want to live in that any longer? So in chapter 8, Paul describes for us this narrative, this story about life. We're lost. Who can save us? Jesus can. And so he says, take on Jesus and leave that old way behind you because you are made for more. Because you're capable of more. Because you've called, been called to more. Now listen, Paul knows about battles. He knows about hardship. Paul knows about oppression. The audience of the letter that was written to Rome here, they know what it's like to be persecuted. They were persecuted by the Romans. They were persecuted by fellow believers. There are battles going on all around this letter. We face battles all the time. I don't know what, what's going on in your life. I don't, I don't know what kind of battle you're facing, but I know that, that, there's, that there's wars that are waging in your life, that there's things that are going on uh, that, that you just feel like sometimes there's a war that's going on in your life. And so Paul paints this beautiful picture for us that says that we are not defeated. And so I want us to read Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 31 through the end of the chapter together. And this is what Paul says to the Romans. He says, what then shall we say in response to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is, not, is it not God who justifies? Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any power, neither heights, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that is good news. Jesus says we are more than conquerors. We are more than able to stand against that that comes against us because of Jesus. Take a look. We're going we're gonna to slowly go through some of these verses. Romans 8, verses, verse 31. It says, what then shall we say in response to all these things? Basically, this is an end cap. This says, because of everything we've been talking about, because of everything that's in chapter 8, because of everything that's in chapter 7, he says, what are we going to say because of all of this? He says, if God is for us, then who can be against us? It's this promise, it's this reminder that he who that is with you is stronger than he who is against you. And so many times we feel like, we feel like we're defeated. We feel like I did when I was in the midst of this bathroom mess and there's water squirting up from the ground and you're in over your head and you feel like, what am I going to do in this situation? How am I going to get through this? How is this ever going to get back put together again? And Paul says, look, if God is for you, who could ever stand against you? And it's this reminder that if you are in Jesus, that God is with you. Romans 8, 34. One of the things that they dealt with over and over again was this idea that people were just pointing fingers at them. People were just reminding them of their failure. People were just pointing out that you don't measure up. You're not good enough. You you are not doing the right things. You're not following God the right way. And so Paul says, Who then is the one who condemns? No one, he says. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. You know what that word interceding means? It means that God is there and Jesus is whispering in his ear, I've got this one. He's with me. He's good. That Jesus speaks on our behalf. I love this phrase. It says, Christ Jesus who died more than that, who is raised to life. In my life, I've done a ton of communion meditations and and I find myself always focusing on Jesus' sacrifice, his death, and the power of his death. But I was reminded when I read this while I was studying this week, a lot of people die. Some even sacrifice their life for someone else. The thing that sets Jesus apart is that he's alive. That he raised from the dead. Now, I'm not discounting the sacrifice that he made on the cross, but I'm saying the thing that sets Jesus apart is that more than that, who was raised to life. And so, a God who can bring his son from the dead 
can resurrect your problems, can resurrect and, and fix the issues that you're dealing with. He can stand on your behalf. If God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8.35 Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Those may seem like just this list of like random things, but Paul faced every one of those. Right? These are the things that Paul was going up against. These were the things that some of the Roman Christians were dealing with. Look, I don't know what you walked in here dealing with. I don't know what you're going through, but I, I guarantee you somebody walked in here this morning and their life has fallen apart. I guarantee you somebody walked in here this morning and they don't know where their hope's going to come from. And Paul says, he reminds us that none of that, none of what you're dealing with, none of what you're going through can separate you from the love that is found in Jesus Christ. He says, nothing you're going through. And then he gives this beautiful statement at the end. Romans eight thirty seven. He says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's a message that somebody needed to hear today. Somebody came in here feeling defeated. Somebody came in here feeling like that, that they just can't get up and go another round. And Paul reminds us that we are more than conquerors. Some of us struggle to even know what it means to be a conqueror, right? That, that I can just stand up against whatever comes at me, that I, that I can stand up in the face of adversity, that no matter what I'm going through, cancer, uh, debt, right? My marriage is falling apart. Whatever it is, I'm going, just, to, just to think about what it means to conquer that. To even know what it means to be more than that, right? What does it mean to be more than that? And it's this idea that Paul lays out. He says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So today, I want to just take a look at two different ways in which we fight. Because here's the truth. We're facing battles all the time, right? We face battles all the time. And so we need to know how it is that we will be these conquerors. And so the first thing we want to talk about is the fact that we fight with an attitude of faith. It's a belief that Jesus is going to do exactly what Jesus said he was going to do. Last week we talked about King David and uh, a little bit about his life. And so there's this moment in David's life where he wants to fight Goliath. And so he has to basically explain himself to King Saul and give a rationale, a reason for why he should be allowed to go up against this giant. And so in 1 Samuel 17, 37, we have this dialogue that's going on between David and Saul. And he says this, he says, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. David took a look back at his life and he says, Look, God was with me when I faced the lion, and God was with me when I faced the bear, and God's going to be with me when I face this giant. Paul 
or David was reminded of, David remembered what God had done in his past. And he says, God's going to do that again in my future. And so we need to remember what God has done in our past and have faith and confidence that he will do that in our future. Some of us look back at our past and we can't see God moving in that way. We don't have that kind of confidence. We're just like, you know, I mean, when, when did God move? When did God do something amazing? And so for some of us, maybe we got to look far back. We got to look all the way back to the cross and be reminded that what God promises, God delivers. To have the faith that what God has done in the past, God will do in our future. We have to fight with an attitude of faith. Second thing is that we have to fight with an attitude of reliance. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4 says this. says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. Paul wrote this as well, and, and in this he's reminding us that we don't fight the way that the world fights. We fight with divine power. What's that mean? It means that it's not my strength. It's not me. When David was talking to Saul, he didn't say, look, I defeated a lion and I defeated the bear and I'm strong enough that I can defeat this giant. He says, no. God defeated the lion. God defeated the bear. And God is going to take care of this giant. David was willing, but he fully knew that he was fully 100% reliant on God. And we need to realize that we don't fight with our own power. We do not fight with our own strength. That we fight with a reliance that God is the one who's going to do this through me. We just got to be willing. And so in Romans chapter 8, Paul reminds us that we're not defeated. That we are not defeated. Paul spends a lot of time in the book of Romans reminding the church just how broken they are. Just how in need of a savior they are. But he builds them back up with the hope that if you are in Jesus, you are more than conquerors. If you are in Jesus, no one can separate you from the love of God. That if you are in Jesus, that you are enough. And it is this beautiful picture that says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. This morning, if you're going to be helping with our communion, I'd ask that you make your way to the back. Everything that Paul talks about, all the promises, all the hope, all the good news, it all comes from this phrase that he says over and over again. It's a promise for those who are in Jesus, who know Jesus, who have claimed Jesus, who have accepted Jesus to be the Lord of their life. And so, yeah, it's not based on how smart we are, how good we are, even so much what we do. It's a promise that's based on our relationship with Jesus. And so I want to just give you a moment this morning to just reflect on your relationship with Jesus.
Some of you maybe have never accepted Jesus to be Lord of your life. You don't know 100% what that looks like. You don't know 100% what that means. You're still trying to figure that out. Man, we would love to talk to you about what that looks like. You can mark that on your connection card that you're interested in finding out more about that. You can come and talk to me. We've got prayer partners that come down front after each service. You can come down front and have them pray with you about just finding out more. We would love to help you with that. But man, there's a lot of us that are in here. We say we've claimed Jesus. We've accepted Jesus. But we're holding on to those old ways of life. We're not fully in. We're not, we're not all in. We're still wearing that old clothes. Still going back to those old things. Still living that old way. When God has called us to something new. What's it mean to be in Jesus? A hundred percent. It means you're not defeated. It means that no matter what stands against you, that you know that you are more than able to conquer it through the power of God who loves you and through his son, Jesus Christ. My prayer for you is that you would really take a look at and examine your relationship with Jesus. Are you about those new things? Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your son Jesus and for the sacrifice that he makes for us, God. I thank you for the hope that he brings. For the assurance of the promise that he delivers, God. And I pray that we would be fully invested in living for Jesus each and every day. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the hope that he brings. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.